95.3 Olympia's KGY. It's 8.23. Nat and Val in the morning. And we have a special guest in the studio we're going to chat with for a little bit. Tim Welch, he's a director of public affairs and the spokesperson for the Washington Federation of State Employees. Uh, We've had a chance to uh, chat with Tim a number of times before. So welcome back to the studio, first of all, Tim. Thanks for having me. Good morning to you. Thank you. It is a uh, very cloudy morning here. Hopefully it's going to sun up just a little bit here in uh, Olympia. Uh, you've had a, a number of, of things that you've been working on. Of course, the uh, legislature is about ready to adjourn for their uh, their 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 little break here. Um, we're in the middle of the session, and uh, they're working on well, they they're, they're working on their supplemental budget basically. That's correct. Yeah. So uh, they've already passed the big one. We're working on the smaller one, and you guys, of course, um, you're you're all about working on the uh, the the union causes and the state. You know, the state workers very important right here in Olympia. Um, and, and you have some causes that you want to talk about. I mean, these these are very important causes, uh, number of uh, employment issues. What, go ahead and let's uh, chat about that for a few minutes. Yeah, I'll, I don't know how much uh, your listeners pay attention to what's going on in Olympia. Sometimes it's complicated. But in two weeks from now, the legislature will adjourn. There's dueling supplemental budgets. This is That's kind of the – they kind of tweaked the big budget that was uh, passed last year. But one issue that's really arisen amongst uh, state employees, those who are trying to provide good quality services to the public, is the issue of recruitment and retention. What that means is the ability to attract and keep – uh, good state employees to stay on the job. And a number of key areas, uh, certainly those who protect abused, neglected children, those who provide safe workplaces, uh, uh, and uh, those who care for the mentally ill, we are finding that there is a, a, a high turnover rate or people are not paying being paid competitive wages and they're going out to the private sector where they're being paid more. What that means is there are fewer workers uh, paying more to train them and they're taking on higher caseloads. And that is just leads to burnout, and it leads to uh, disillusionment, and a lot of those folks then turn around and leave state service. And there's, there's the, the problem is that when you're talking about abused, neglected children, if you don't have the eyes and the ears out there, that sets up potential tragedies. So, so tell me why this is the case, and the reason why I say that is because, you know, I, I, I guess the thing that I've always heard and thought is, oh, you get a state job, you've got great benefits, you know, once <clears> you're in with the state, you're pretty much set. So why would you want to seek another employment if you've got a nice, great state job? I mean, is that basically a misrepresentation? Is that what people are finding when they get into these positions? Is there something that needs to change? What what needs to change? Well, it is a bit of a, a bit of a myth uh, that uh, that uh, you're you're set for life when you get to be a state employee. Uh, the fact of the matter is that 81 percent of state employees are paid behind what they would earn in the private sector. Uh, they're paying more and more for health benefits, uh, retirement benefits. They're paying more there, and and we're fighting to make sure that on the back end they're going to have something there for them. Uh, a lot of state employees do tough, tough jobs that n- none of us would ever want to do, and they come into state service to try to make a difference. And when they come in and find out that there aren't enough uh, colleagues because the state isn't paying competitively or is overworking them, they get burned out and they leave state service. And again, when you're talking, you're not talking about you know a manufacturing job here. You're talking about saving lives and improving the quality of lives, uh, certainly kids, vulnerable adults, and making sure we have safe workplaces. And if those, if there's, if you're not paying them competitive wages, uh, and you're not uh, having adequate staff to provide those services, they're going to go out the door. And and the marketplace is such that that it is a competitive marketplace, and they're finding work in the private sector. So what you're saying then, in essence, is that the state 
is going to be hiring more individuals, more positions to handle some of the, in the case of children, caseloads, uh, so they can handle the caseloads? Well, that is the hope. Uh, we got some extra positions funded last year. We're trying to get some more this year. But the problem is there's still huge vacancies because of the issue of still overwork uh, and, and being underpaid. And so you can add positions, but if they're not filled, you still have that caseload problem. I mean, uh, a, a court case, for, for instance, for children's uh, workers, uh, a court case mandated that they have no more than 18 cases. We found out that in just in December, about half of those caseworkers had caseloads way beyond that, some up to as much as 71 kids on a caseload. And that is tough to protect abuse and neglected children. let's balance the scale here for just a bit. We have the state, the -hmm. the actual state, which of course pays wages, and that fluctuates with each particular budgetary system time period. And then you have individuals who are looking for jobs who Mm -hmm. may be qualified, but they don't stay in them once they get them. How do we reconcile that? What is the state doing to reconcile that? And what can the average person applying for a state job do to reconcile that? Uh, well, there, the the, the uh, uh, last question first, those who want to apply for a state job, they can go online. There's a number of sources. They can go to, to uh, Access Washington and find a guide there and, and, and do it. If they drive up uh, pa- on uh, Stillicum Boulevard past Western State Hospital, there's a big sign outside for a recruitment center. That's one very proactive thing that we're working with the state to try to get people into those jobs. But the overall issue is you've got to pay uh, state employees competitively. Again, 81% are not paid competitively. How do we get that up? Huh? We have to work. We have to. We are coming up on negotiating contracts, but it is an overall issue. We, we negotiate for 40,000 of about 100,000 state employees. So it's an overall issue. They have to change the mindset and, and pay uh, workers competitively with the private sector so they don't leave and make sure that, there are adequ- that there's adequate staff so that um, they are not overworked, overburdened, way beyond what even court and other standards say. And that is a tough, that's a money issue, and it always gets controversial, and some say we don't need as many or we can let the private sector do it. Uh, there's no profit motive in a lot of what state does, and so it's not, it's not very sexy for uh, a private company to come in. So, Tim, talk to me about some of the specific jobs that you are trying to help out, that you're trying to support, and that um, there are these vacancies on. I mean, if there are qualified people, they're looking for this kind of work, mm-hmm. What what kind of positions could they get into? I mean, what what what's out there? Well, the, some of the, the the jobs that are facing the greatest crises. But again, if you don't if you don't uh, solve the pay and the workload issues, you you could people can come to those jobs and they'll probably leave as well. Mm-hmm. But certainly, social workers and, and children's administration in the Department of Social Health Services, uh, uh, safety and health professionals and the Labor and Industries Division of Occupational Safety and Health. Uh, certainly, many many classes in our state ho- state mental hospitals. Psychologists, psychi- uh, uh, psychiatric social workers. Uh, again, but again, you can recruit, but you've got to take care of the underlying foundations so that once they come into the job and you pay the money to train them, they stay on the job. So you got to pay them competitively, and you've got to make sure that there's enough coworkers because they come into a job and they're not paid enough, and they find that that they've got to f- uh, fill the gaps because there aren't enough other workers to take on the load, a lot of work doesn't get done. And then uh, they're kind of damned if they do and damned if they don't. Well, is there a task force that is working toward meeting this need uh, to provide incentives within the workplace? You know, you have a cubicle life, then you've got a case, you've got an individual with a caseload that is overbearing. And, and yes, I can understand the frustration, but there has to be something to offset that. And the state would most likely have to come up with an idea mm-hmm. or several and then implement them, and then there would have to be somebody hired to implement them and to make the worker happy working for the state of Washington. 
Well, your question is really right on the mark. Actually, the state house has a budget proviso that they're debating uh, today and tomorrow that would actually uh, require the state budget office, which oversees this, to come up with a, uh, a thorough analysis about the recruitment and retention issue and issue a report back to legislature and governor by December 1st about hmm. what is the breadth and depth of the problem, how are we dealing with it, uh, and uh, I would say that starting in May at uh, several bargaining tables, including in, in general government, we will back, be back at the table using our rights to negotiate a contract, and we'll be e dealing with these issues as well. So we've got the negotiation process, plus we have this task force, which we hope uh, will pass. We don't. The Senate has not proposed it, so we hope that in the final budget that that task force will take one uh, pretty significant first step, we hope. So talk to me about the history here. You know, I mean, obviously – over the course of time, this has went up and down. I mean, I've heard about these issues all my life. You know, I mean, as long as I've been in media, you know, we, we've talked mm -hmm. to union leaders. We've talked to state employees. There's always budget issues. It's just kind of a right. fight that goes on. But what have you seen? I mean, what has the trend been over, say, like the last five years? I mean, we had the budget crisis that happened in 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. um, the stock market has kind of came back in the private sector where are we? I, I, I've always heard, you know, and, and from what, I, what I've known, the, the state kind of follows the public sector, you know, right, about right. two or three years later. Right, so right. is it starting to come back a little bit? I mean, are you finally starting to get budget back or where, where are you at? Uh, we are still uh, facing the uh, repercussions from the Great Recession of 2008 to, to just a few years ago. And many of the problems we see have been built in because a lot of the positions that were lost have not been put back. Uh, we think that, that certainly, that, for instance, in our mental hospitals, Western State Hospitals, which is up the street, that if you started putting money back into hiring positions to, fill, to bring back those positions, adequate training, adequate pay, that a lot of the problems we're seeing there about potential loss of federal funding and, and safety lapses and, and high injury rates could be solved. And there's a lot of innovative solutions, intriguing solutions being bandied about in the legislature. But we think if you just get back to basics and have more feet on the ground, more people, more eyes and ears and hands doing the job, and getting them paid to, to invest in the way to keep them on the job once you hire them, that that is going to go a long way to solving the problem. Okay. So there's hope is what you're saying, Tim. Uh, there is hope. For instance, in two of the job classes at, at uh, Western State Hospital, uh, the state had an emergency, uh, uh, what was called assignment pay back in November, to up their pay to keep them on the job because there was a terrible recruitment retention problem there. Uh, the issue, the, uh, the uh, proviso that the House has tacked on their supplemental budget to try to look at this issue, I think provides some hope. And then again, we have a number of our uh, elected state employees going to bar back to the bargaining table starting this spring, and they will be dealing with that issue at the bargaining table as well. They, the, the collective bargaining is not just about getting more money or or the, you know, the myth mythological pounding your, your fist on the table. Mm -hmm. It is about coming up with innovative ideas and giving voice to a lot of people who are there on the front lines who deal with these problems every day and can bring these ideas to the table and bring them to management. We hope to get them a solution there. Well, as well. So there you have it. You have a, a, a core that is working toward uh, the state worker and, and keeping them on board. It's a nice, you know, in theory, it probably is going to work great. Mm. But then, like you say, it is right. a matter of hammering it out. Once so. you get in front of the lawmakers, yes. you know, it's going to bounce all over the place. That's correct. Correct. Um, just how far down are we talking? I mean, as far as like where you feel we should be mm -hmm. and where the WFSE feels we should be and where we're at right now. 
Well, we will look at, uh, again, as I say, we, we, we will be looking at all the numbers, but about, you know, again, the reality is 81% of state employees are less than competitive rates. In one uh, agency I didn't mention is Department of Corrections. We represent community corrections officers, sometimes yeah. called probation and parole officers. <clears throat> In the past few years, they have their, their staff has been cut by 30%. And so it's tough to uh, to uh, to supervise these bad guys or people who serve the time in prison who come out of, of a prison and, and keep them keep our neighborhoods safe as they're coming back trying to get back in society. So we really do need to get back uh, a lot. I mean, I mean, we've lost thousands and thousands of positions, and we need to get some of those back. Need to get them adequately paid. Uh, and and in, when we invest money in training and hiring folks, we need to invest the money to keep them there so we yes. don't that it will save money in the long run doing that and you also represent uh, safety and health inspectors as well mm-hmm. at the department of labor and industries yeah i mean in over uh those hired between 2008 and 2011 40 percent have gone out the door already they've gone they found that they can uh, get uh more pay in the private sector and, and, so the, and that's voluntary i mean that's not like layoffs or anything like that that's uh, voluntary it, that's just that's just the marketplace reality the so part of your question is yeah the, the market is uh the job market is recovering in some areas uh, because now in the private sector there's high competition for some of these jobs but it doesn't make sense to me i think and a lot of people to uh, for the state to to spend the money to hire folks train them you got to keep them on the job it shouldn't be a training ground for the private sector. Hmm. Well, so then, you know, there's that little gap in there where the state will be working toward mm-hmm. finding what it takes to keep, recruit one, and then uh, keep a state employee throughout mm-hmm. some of these challenging jobs that are. Uh, and of course, it costs out. money. You know, it costs money right. to recruit people, it costs right. money to train people. Yeah, and, and, and if you're, if you're going to spend the money to, again to hire and to train them, it costs money them. if you if they lose them, and then you got to tr- hire and train somebody else. Do you ever ask back some of the individuals who've left the state to go to private sector to speak on behalf of what we're talking about now? In other words, what were some of their reasons for leaving? Uh, that is a very good question, and that is something we'll bring up at the bargaining table. And if this task force that the House has proposed, it goes forward in the final budget. I think those are all good ideas. We need to look at all the information. We've done some stuff, uh, but we have talked anecdotally over the years with social workers, with uh, mental health workers, uh, anecdotally, and, and they are just, they're just plain. Uh, many of them are in tears. They are just... Right. They're disillusioned. They come to they come to make a difference, and they get here and find that there aren't the resources, mm-hmm. overwork, and and they can only do so much, and that that inbox can only go so high. All mm-hmm. right. Well, thank you very much, Tim Welch. He's the director of public affairs for the Washington Federation of State Employees. Uh, anything else you'd like to add this morning, Tim? No, I just uh, I uh, we we thank the community. The community has been very supportive of us. Businesses here, we have supported them. Uh, they have. You go through downtown Olympia, you'll see signs about uh, state employees support us. We support state employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, it's just a wonderful coalition that understands that our members make a big difference in the community. Little league, uh, little league volunteering, and a number of other things like that. So we really do appreciate the support of the community. Great. Well, thank you for stopping in, Tim. Tim thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Great to have you as always. It's ninety five point three KGY. All right. Oh,